Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Game is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are Gareth and Milo. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Steph. Hello, chaps. And uh, as we uh, brave our way through a summer, or, well, at the very least, a few weeks without any football, we continue to bring you the finest of uh, <laughs> off-season content. Uh, that's what we like to think, anyway. But it's good. We're getting... Uh, there's there's actually probably more to talk about in the off-season than there is during the season, given the, uh, the week that was and the transfer rumours and so on and so forth. So... We're just going to spend this week's pod discussing both of those. Um, the week that was in particular always seems to be pretty full. So let's just get right to it, shall we, guys? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Crack on, yeah. Excellent. All right. Crack on indeed, I shall, because pre-season training is about to start. Yes, the, su- the summer is over for Matt Doherty, Jaffet Tanganga and Oliver Skip, because Antonio Conti has said, lads... Get to Hotspur Way on Monday, 27th of June. Oh, that's today as you're all listening to it. Or maybe even yesterday, depending on how quickly Milo edits this down. Uh, get to Hotspur Way, start your pre-season training and jump into the fitness pool and get ahead of last season's injuries and so on and so forth. And just get with the program now. That's what he's told these three men. The players are not on international duty are back Monday, effectively. As people listen to this, it'll be the following Monday. And then the international players are back the following week. The schedule there does emphasise how little rest the players are getting this summer. That is before going into an 11th month season. I mean, it's it's nuts. I believe, actually, Skippy was at um, the training ground last week doing stuff. So I think he's already kind of reported back super early. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, you know, you think the non-international players are due back on Monday. And, you know, that's... What are we talking? You know, we're talking about five weeks after the end of the season, and madness. it was a pretty heavy, a pretty heavy season just gone as well. It's madness, madness. No, and we're probably going to continue to mention the lack of rest these players are going to get for some time to come. I know we mentioned it last week, the week before. We're probably mentioning it for some time to come because it is ludicrous. But we must move on, must we not? To something that is solid, right, Milo? Something that <laughs> nobody could mess up. <laughs> so Harry Kane is Leighton Orient's shirt sponsor for the coming season. This is the third successive season that Harry has sponsored Orient. Mental health charity Shout will feature on the front of the home shirt and the Royal British Legion's Tommy Club will be on the way kit. I think um, Harry is Harry Kane is a, um, an ambassador for Tommy Club. So it's a, it's a charity that he's um, got quite a lot of involvement in. And whilst we're talking about Orient, on Saturday the 16th of July, uh, it was announced this week that the under-21s will be playing a friendly against uh, against Leighton Orient at Brisbane Road. It's a 1pm kickoff, and I'm going to see if I can round up a couple of um, couple of the lads from the pod to see if they want to go to the game. So yeah, yeah, always always a good trip out, and this would be the um, the JE3 Foundation Trophy as well, won't it? I think it is. Yeah, I've never been to Brisbane Road. I have to confess, I'd like to go. Looks like a proper little ground. I've always fancied one of the flats in the corner with the uh, windows over the pitch. <laughs> I'm sure Mrs. Milo will turn that particular real estate request down, won't she? I don't think she'd want to live in late. <laughs> right. <laughs> One of the flats was on right move recently. It was really, it was quite, I had a good nosy around. <laughs> but I mean, you can tell, you can tell how frustrated the game is about glory is when we hear that Milo's been <laughs> poking about real estate in Orient <laughs> and not the, and not the far Eastern Orient either. Just the Eastern Orient in the east of London. Do relocation, relocation, <laughs> relocation, rather than... Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so it's, it's good to Harry to sponsor Orient, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's interesting. One of the things I am noticing, and this is plays into last week's um, comment that we made about uh, him 
you know, getting together with other World Cup figures and figuring out like how to be a proper, legitimate and, and powerful spokesperson against some of the things going on in Qatar. Yeah. He's really starting to develop the leadership role that I think he I think is his to take. It's nice to see, yeah. He did a tweet about about Pride this week. He um, said about how proud he was to wear the Pride armband um, yeah. and that you know football was for everyone. It would be fantastic if that's something that he carries on into the World Cup. Yeah, it's a really, but all of this is a really, I uh, think, positive and, 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 and really, uh, you know, edifying and defining uh, core principle of Harry Kane as he, matures into the you know the, the the peak of his career you know he should be carrying this stature off the field and it's really nice to see he's rising to it and also he's he is with the greatest respect to him he is yeah he's a very relatable everyman he's not flash he's not fancy he's just a regular person and when i always think when regular everyday people speak up for for important causes and stick up for important issues in such a public way i think it's 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 as powerful as anything I think it's really good. So anyway, Lucas Moura spoke with Brazilian journalist Andre Hernan last week and talked about his future. This is what Lucas said. The idea is to fulfill the contract. It has one more year with the option of one more on the part of the club, he said. He's talking about his contract, not the principle of contracts. So at the end of this season now, if the club wants to extend another year, they have that option. But my idea is this. Finalising the contract playing in the Champions League. We haven't played the Champions League for two years and now it could be perhaps my last Champions League there at Tottenham. So then the idea is to stay there, fulfil the contract, then be free, then decide where I'm going. I mean, I think we've discussed this before. I think we feel he's he's going to end up in Sao Paulo, um, you know, within the next couple of years, it feels. Um, although recent rumours suggest that, you know, he could be moving somewhere in England. I mean, how do you feel about Lucas's plan versus what might happen? Uh, I think it's great that he's got a plan, but ultimately the club will probably dictate whether that plan follows through or not. If- still think if they had a good bid for him this summer and someone else was available who that we thought was better he'd be he'd be on the way he he is expendable um he's got a very he'll go down as a cult hero particularly for his efforts in the champions league but yeah fair play to him for having a plan but yeah i'm not too enamored with the plan to be honest with you i mean i think there's quite a lot of work to do this summer but we're being linked with a few players in his position and I don't really see how that works if he's still around although it could just be a bargaining position it could be a I, I'm not in a rush to go anywhere so pay me up if you want me to leave <laughs> that that could very well be it that would certainly be uh, an agent's uh, mentality with this particular uh, announcement I would think or interview um, yeah I, look I, I, I think I'm in exactly the same boat as you Milo I, I, I if we can upgrade we should end of story I mean there's not too much to say about it and if he sticks around, uh, you know, OK, great. So that was Lucas Moura's contribution to the week that was. England under-19 have played a couple of games this week. So last weekend they played uh, Austria and this week they've played uh, Serbia and Israel. Um, against Serbia, uh, Dane Scarlett started. Alfie Devine was dropped to the bench after starting the previous game against uh, against Austria. And England won 4-0. Dane scored the opening two goals uh, in a 70-minute run-out. Alfie Devine came on in 60 minutes. Um, the other two England goals were scored by Aston Villa's Kani Chukwameka, who's I think has been England's best player of this tournament. It looks like a real, real star. It looks like a really good player in the making. I think he's only got a year left on his contract, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And then the fourth goal was scored by Sheffield United's Daniel Jebison. Um, and then against Israel, which was on Saturday night, it was 
not quite such an entertaining game. Alfie Devine started, uh, Scarlett was on the bench. Uh, Devine set up the opener on five minutes after picking up a poor clearance from the Israeli goalkeeper. Um, Devine got the ball in the net in the second half, but it was disallowed for offside. Scandalous. <laughs> it was a, there was a really heavy pitch. To, so down um, one side of the pitch was heavily waterlogged. And uh, so the ball was sticking there. It was difficult for the players. Uh, so it wasn't the best conditions for the game. And that was Alfie's side in the second half. But England qualified from the group with three wins, top the group. They haven't conceded a goal so far. They're now in the semi-finals against Italy, which is on Tuesday. Um, and then they'll play the winner of the other semi-final, which is France-Israel. So they've done really Gareth, well. Gareth, should we should we get off our sofas uh, this week and join uh, Milo? I mean, not not literally, but you know, generally join Milo, and uh, maybe we should tune in to this semi final and see if we can um, lighten the load for Milo next week <laughs> when he reports on the, on the England twenty ones and the progress of Divine and Scarlet. No, it's 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 great work because actually coinciding with uh, you following these games so so much, there's been a huge spike in Alfie Divine press in the last couple. That's, of weeks. that's not my doing. No, I know, but you're you're ahead of the the curve, is what I'm trying to say. They're trying to give you some props here. You see, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the other thing to say is, it's the Alex Scott, who's a Bristol City midfielder that we've been linked with, has featured in all three games so far. Um, and I don't know whether that interest is going to come to anything, but he, he's a tidy player and is worth keeping an eye on as well. So I, I, I've enjoyed watching the under 19s. I, I didn't really pay any attention to full England internationals at the end of the season um, they didn't really interest me that much I, I think I had one on in the background while I was doing other stuff but I didn't really pay yeah, much attention to it shite yeah um, I've enjoyed watching the under-19s it's, it, they've been good so far they've played well Gareth we're missing out uh, we must double up here and, and we must do our do our diligence I think yeah I'm facing a losing battle for the remote in the evenings at the moment <laughs> I've, having, having monopolised it from August through to May the internet is your friend in the UK they're being broadcast on uh, on BBC I player so you can watch them there i think they're also available to catch up afterwards on the uefa website so the internet gareth is your friend so the internet's just been my friend to, to research that the current under 19 champions are spain which included a certain brian hill within that starting 11 so there you go for a link there we are the internet is indeed everyone's friend in this modern age including mine when i'm on dire watch our newly instituted uh peak into the world of the mighty Eric Dyer. And there I was at the beginning of the week and in the middle of the week thinking that Eric had maybe let us down a bit because uh, his social media feeds, uh, they seem to be silent, although I, I must confess that I do understand that, you know, the area around Mount Kilimanjaro has limited internet access. So I He mean, was it's... deep undercover, Steph. He was deep undercover indeed uh, because I had, uh, I was about to actually unleash this torrent of speculation until Milo sent me the, the, the visual uh, goods via the internet to offer the truth of Mr. Dyer's last week. Um, and this picture showed him walking the streets of Paris dressed in a tuxedo with the sort of style and panache, honestly, that makes Daniel Craig look like a scruffy git and showing the world that, uh, you know, the next James Bond is apparently not going to be Idris Elba or Tom Hiddleston or anyone. It's going to be Eric Dyer who in this particular picture looks so smooth that next to him, velvet would have become sandpaper. I mean, not only is he obvious that Eric was auditioning in Paris and achieving full success uh, for the, to be the next James Bond, that bow tie was not a clip-on, right? Eric doesn't do clip-on bow ties, does he, lads? No. And I didn't think so, no. He looked 
hot. He looked smoking hot, didn't he, in these he faces? Looked, didn't he? He looked the proverbial dog's bollocks. He really did. I mean, you look at him and you're like, wow, you know. So not only is he an international renaissance man, he's also uh, about to become the next 007. There was another photo of him at, I, I don't know quite where it was, but it says he's hiding under an umbrella um, eating um, in another uh, snappy whistle. So he's a, he's a sharp dresser. We'll keep you in touch with uh, the comings and goings of Eric Dyer as the summer wears on. And he's only got a week left, Steph, because he'll be back being chased around Hotspur Way by Monday. So, yeah, one more week of his of his summer holes. Yeah. We had a couple of weddings this week. Ben Davies and Ryan Mason got married this week. Ryan married Rachel Peters. Congratulations to both, by the way. In Mallorca with a number of old Academy colleagues in attendance. So Harry Kane, Tom Carroll, and Andros Townsend, and Jonathan Abika were there. Gareth, did you spot anyone else in the photo? So Adam Smith who is currently at Bournemouth, is there, and he was part of the same yeah, age group. And then also Sam Cox, who's uh, an academy coach now, mm. was also in the picture. And then Daddy Ben Davis married Emily Kaplan. I don't know where the wedding was, but uh, Sonny and Joe Roden were there to share the happy day. It would have been awkward yeah. if they were on the same day, wouldn't it? And players had to decide which one they were going to go to. I haven't seen anyone who's at both. Yeah, I mean, if Ryan's was in Mallorca, it, yeah, it appears to be most of the yeah the the academy group that he came through with who were there. And then it's the Welsh Mafia at um, at Ben Davis's wedding because uh, Sonny's honorary Welsh Mafia, isn't he? So mm. <laughs> certainly yeah. is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, brilliant. Congratulations to both. And uh, you know, it's actually a, a, a capping off what's been an excellent uh, season for both of them. I mean, Ryan Mason's enjoyed an excellent season, uh, really deeply embedded and a really, really important part of Antonio Conte's coaching staff. And Ben Davis's season has spoken for itself and we've spoken of it many times. So what a, what a great way to, uh, to sign out the summer and uh, congratulations again to them both. Um, this is going to sound like a rather trite item when I tell you it's about a vegetable garden, but you need to tune in and pay attention because uh, I came across... Um, Steph, it's not the first time that we've done this. We just we have had a feature talking about Dyer's allotment before, so this isn't new ground for us. Okay, okay, you're <laughs> new ground indeed, but um, re-ploughed re, re and, and possibly uh, re-fertilised in, in my mind anyway, if you'll pardon the obscure gardening puns, but... Uh, Blimey, I am struggling with this this week, aren't I? I'm struggling to be funny or witty or smart. Things I never have trouble with, as I'm sure you can both. Yeah, okay, you're not going for that. Anyway, um, it was an excellent seven-minute video uh, from Gardener's World on the BBC, which I saw via Reddit, and thanks to Evan from the SF Spurs for pulling it to my attention. Um, it was a piece on the prolific and bountiful fruit and vegetable gardens at the training centre called the Kitchen Gardens. Um and led by Akuda Chimbudsi, who's a refugee from Zimbabwe, who came to the UK approximately 20 years ago. These gardens produce enough fresh food and veg fresh fruit and vegetables to feed around 80 people a day at the lodge. Uh, Chimbudsi himself trained in horticulture and started working in the kitchen garden in 2018. And in the video, he explains that the gardens is actually uh, something that was a Daniel Levy project. He insisted on it. Um, and he also, during this seven minute video, offers some excellent insight into the nutritional needs of the modern footballer. And I have to point out to you, when you finish watching this, you will understand the importance of the modern cress in a player's diet. And that's and that actually is a little bit of a pun, but it's not a joke. I, I I encourage you to watch it. I hardly recommend that you find it on the iPlayer if in the UK or Reddit and look it up. It's seriously, it's the perfect sort of like you know um, summer break viewing, you know um, off season viewing. It's the perfect 
seven minutes. Really, really interesting stuff. The club did something on this on their YouTube channel. Yeah, last September. Hmm. So Eric Dyer took a walk around the veg garden. And I think there's been stuff on the club website as well. So they have, have shown it before. It's really cool. Good, good. Well, again, I, I really enjoyed about this particular take was that we uh, we really did get to learn a little bit more about Chimbudzi. And he's a, actually, he's a really passionate speaker on, on not just uh, horticulture, uh, but on the importance of nutrition in the modern football. I mean, he really has break down, you know, why fruit and vegetables are so important uh, to, to, to an athlete's diet, which, I mean, you hear this a hundred times from your doctor, from whatever, but he actually breaks it down. He actually tells you exactly why. And it was quite inspirational to the point where, honestly, I'm not taking the piss. I looked up a juicer afterwards and thought, wow, maybe it's time. Is he available to come and talk to my four-year-old? Is he available to come and talk to this 55-year-old? What are you talking about? <laughs> he could talk to all of us and teach us something, to be fair. So in a sign that our next transfer activity might be imminent, the club have drawn down the first $100 million from Enix's uh, cash injection. With the end of the accounting year coming this week, for a lot of clubs, it could be a good time to buy from any of the clubs that need to balance the books on FFP before the the current year is over. So, lads, should this excite us? Are we about to splash the cash? Um, should we splash the cash? Well, I think we know it's imminent. Um, there are people far more intelligent than me, and I'm certainly including you in this, Milo, who know the implications of... Um... Well, thank you very much for the tip-off there as well, Gareth. I appreciate that. <laughs> Where, uh, you can't see the eye roll though, so um no we're, we're talking we're, we're talking we're talking football finances here and we're talking um you know proper price of football stuff here as well and the detail that Milo's already given us off air in terms of what needs to happen before the end of um financial years I think for the club at the end of this week um are probably quite significant so I don't think it's just a case of saying look here's 100 million spend it now it was um it is be all linked to um transfer incomings I guess historical transfer incomings and money that's due in there'll be old money that's so that's Romero's loan obligation to buy which is this year may well be factored in that there may be other sorts of repayments that we've got to make to other clubs for historical deals that are that are going on mm. but i think the gist of it is yes the, the, the money is available to spend now yeah, it sort of reminds me a little bit of that bit in the in in the last mad max film where that really ugly fat guy stands at the very top of the cliff and kind of blows up and all the tanks start rolling out to go hunting uh it's a bit like that to me it's it signals the beginning of you know uh, well what we're about to talk about all the rumors and so on and so forth they're all going to start either ceasing yeah. to be rumors or being actualized so it's sort of like a commencement isn't it i mean it's the, the closest you get to a commencement announcement i think uh, for me so uh, it's exciting but you know the club have to announce it because by take drawing down this money they're diluting the shareholding for other shareholders so okay. we're obliged to talk about it you know to say yeah. that we're going to do it i think the timing is interesting because I mean, the athletic athletic carried a piece this week on everton's financial year finishes on the 30th of june and we know that they're a club with difficulties with ffp they've released a lot of players at the end of the season but that won't help them this financial year and i think it's possible that um you know we're going to go on to talk about players that might be heading to goodison but one thing we could probably help them with is helping their cash flow by giving them money this year that they can spend next year. 
So I think that's one possible one. I don't know enough about Italian accounting to know whether Inter Milan, uh, when Inter Milan's accounting year finishes either. But um, obviously they're another club with uh, financial difficulties uh, who might need to sell in order to to get through the summer. Yeah, I think it. I mean, we're not drawing we're not drawing down a sum like that for no reason. It's clearly going to be spent. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's interesting when we we're, we're about to get into the rumor roundup. Uh, that was the week that was, and uh, well, you know, it, it does roll into the rumor roundup. I mean, they're all the same at this point. Uh, so we're just apportioning, we're just breaking those two up in a sense. So let's roll into the rumor roundup and say that you know this announcement uh, certainly, if you start to measure it time wise against Conte's professed uh, almost insistence that he has a full squad going to South Korea, you can see the window of time that we're, we're essentially working with if we're working to plan and if we're working to what the manager wants. I don't think he wants a full squad. I think he wants the key activity done. I think we'll, we okay. will do, well, do, we'll key, do business after that, I'm sure of that. Yeah, but the, okay. The key activity, which is essentially what most of these rumours are revolving around, um, it, it, it's, it's hodding up. Let's just say that. The name that's come up in the rumour mill this summer that has come up in rumour mills in past windows, uh, especially under Jose Mourinho, is uh, the name of Nicolo Zaniolo. Uh, Gianluca De Marzio has reported that fabulous Fabio Paratici is in Italy trying to tie up a few deals. Um, by the way, uh, anything you've read about the geography uh, as to where he's meeting people apparently is pertinent only to the fact that all the agents meet in that town. It doesn't necessarily reflect the clubs that that town is in because I believe he met them all in Milan and I think there's been all sorts of speculation that it must be Milan players but I, as I understand it all the agents were coming in to meet there uh, but anyway DiMatteo says that Paratici met with Roma director Tiago Pinto to discuss signing forward Nicolo Zaniolo uh, Zaniolo principally plays as a right inside forward but can also play as a second striker or attacking midfielder um joe roden is rumored to possibly be involved in this because while speaking with roma de matteo says that we also discussed a loan move for joe roden who Mourinho is meant to still be a fan of um let's just talk about this this little component for a moment chaps mm. uh interested to know what you think interested to know if you think it has any relevance to the uh, richarlison situation um so um, zaniolo doesn't make a lot of sense to me so we touched on this when we were talking about more earlier on he principally plays on the right and you know on the right hand side we've got decky and we've got mora and i don't think adding another player there makes a lot of sense unless one of those is going out you presume mora but you know he's just given an interview this last week where he says that he's planning to see out you know be with the club for the next year and for me i mean rafinha kind of fits into the same categories a player who principally fits on the plays on the right hand side the, the rumors don't make a lot of sense to me they're both left-footed right inside forwards um i think this is probably another example of Paratici um, having lots of eggs in lots of different baskets, really, and just seeing which ones come up and which ones there might be some interest in. It, yeah, it would be a strange one. I think Zaniola's playing fairly regularly for Roma, so he's going mm-hmm. to come into a system where he's then not going to be a starter. I'm, I'm still quite sceptical, although we're buying Italian base players, as we found with Bastoni. I, I think that Italian nationals are quite reluctant to leave playing in the domestic Italian leagues. So it feels like a bit of a non-starter to me. I don't Maybe you'll find that he's also trying to negotiate a, a new contract with Roma or there might be other things at play there. Yeah, he's got a little bit. He's beginning to develop for me, uh, Zaniolo, a little bit of uh, what Leandro Damiao was for us in past in, in past history, where it's a name that's 
keeps surfacing. It's, I mean, it surfaces, as I say, under Jose Mourinho in a couple of windows. We were supposedly sniffing after him. And I agree with both of you. It doesn't make sense to me, uh, specifically because it's the second striker bit that makes no sense. You know, we, we're going to need someone who can come in and be a number nine as well as uh, versatile across the across the front three positions. And, you know, again, we talk about Rafinha. Uh, you know, Rafinha is a brilliant specialist, but he's not going to be as versatile as a Richarlison. I mean, I, th- I think with, with, it feels to me like, as you say, it's one of Paratici's bubbling pots to try and smoke out another situation and bring it to full boil. Um, and I'm hoping that that means that Richarlison is the pot that's going to end up you know being used i mean richardson makes a lot more sense because he's right-footed and principally plays on the left although he can also play through the center and he can and he can play on the right so he can cover all of those front positions yeah i don't think richardson is that good as a center forward he can do a job there but he's not i don't think he's particularly effective you'd probably be able to get away with it in the cups i wouldn't want to see it in any of the major competitions not certainly not for a prolonged period of time but um it does give you the flexibility and again i think this is probably a pertinent time to mention and i do think it's relevant and if you guys don't you know you can wave me off but you know i'm sure there are some people who think we should have gone for gabriel jesus i think it would have been completely unrealistic i don't think he would have come to this club given the fact that we have the best number nine in the world and i think that richard Allison is probably about as good as we're going to be able to get for someone to come in and fill that role and achieve other roles at the same time. So, I mean, you know, he makes the most sense to me, Richarlison. I mean, Richarlison, as I said, primarily a left-sided inside forward. So as a rotation option, you know, he's primarily going to play as a rotation option for, for Sun, where he'll, he'll get plenty of games. Jesus, I, th- I think he's a good player, but coming to us, he's going to be a backup. Yes. Going to Arsenal, he's going to be first choice. Uh, and he's twenty five. Very simple, isn't it? So yeah, you know yeah. you can't blame him. No, and I think it's interesting, and uh, you know, listeners will find out if they haven't already that you know the way we tend to approach these rumours is to to kind of you know we aggregate them out against what the the squad needs and what we believe the manager wants. So uh, on all counts, I think you're hearing us say that we think that Zaniolo is 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 just inaccurate, and uh, and it's a red herring. I think we're all agreeing. Uh, as for Roden, I, look, I'm sure Mourinho wouldn't mind Roden. And I do feel that Roden is going to need regular first-team football next season, but I don't think it's going to be tied in with any deal any other way if it happens at all. So I think Gareth mentioning before about going to Forest makes the most sense. Yeah, um, yeah. Know, it's a manager he's played under before at Swansea, um, yep. and he'd be starting for Forest if he went to Roma. There's a chance that he ends up on the bench again. Yeah, yeah. And then another rumour this week uh, that has come up uh, via Fabio's uh, Italian Italian discussion, so on and so forth. He's meant to have discussed with Sampdoria uh, a loan move for for Brian Hill, as is. I I have no real thoughts on it. I don't really. Again, who knows if it's true or false? I think there's quite a lot of interest in in, in Brian Hill, um, both in Spain and and Italy. And I think probably it's just going to come down to a club that he's happy to play for, a club that you know, we think is going to develop him in the right way um, and has the money to do the deal. I think it's likely to be a loan deal. I agree. And uh, let's move on to Harry Winks because the Liverpool Echo reported on Wednesday that Everton and Spurs have held talks over a deal for Harry Winks. And they say that talks are still at an early stage because at least three other Premier League clubs are interested in Harry, including, uh, I have heard, Percy Crystal Palace and Patrick Vieira, who really rates him. And by the way, before, uh, you know, we, we get into the comments about this particular rumour chaps I think it's well worth saying that if you're someone on social media who has been uh, denigrating Harry Winks stop it you know this is a player who's homegrown he's loved this club since he was a young young man 
And I, I, I think it's a disgrace. I think you're, you're behaving disgracefully. Would Everton be a good move for him? I don't particularly trust Frank Lampard to develop him as a player. I think he's going to a club where there'll be a new manager in there within the next four or five months. Um, he just needs to go somewhere where he's going to play every week and he's probably going to be alongside another midfielder who's compatible to get the best out of his game. Mm. And I think if that happens, he'll he'll play well. He'll probably be on the periphery of England's squads. Um, I would have said that around the mid table is probably the Premier League is about is is about his is about his ceiling mm-hmm. now and yeah look I, I, I wish him well to share your concerns about Lampard I think Everton are probably in for a pretty tough season um, my Everton mates tell me that they're a fan base that are very quick to get on players backs which is probably not what he needs and it's something that I think probably hasn't helped him at Spurs when you know he's, he's uh, you know as you were saying Steph he's had a hard time off you know sections of the fan base I would have thought that well, I could think of half a dozen clubs in the Premier League that would probably be a better move for him. And, you know, somewhere like Brighton, I would, I would have said would be ideal, or, you know, Newcastle possibly somewhere, you know, but he's meant to be quite keen on the deal. I don't know whether he's kind of impressed by Lampard's name rather than actually what's going on there, but you'd assume that he would have talked to Delhi about the situation there. And, you know, it is a club with a you know decent profile. One thing on this, you know, we touched on their financial situation earlier on. Uh, this isn't going to happen before the 1st of July. That's their new financial year. There's no way they're going to be signing anyone before then. I'd assume that we'll probably see it, you know, kind of end of the week or early, you know, early the following week if it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, he's a professional footballer with excellent contacts. I would be immensely surprised if he hasn't sounded out all angles of moving to Everton and particularly how Frank Lampard is and works. And I'm yeah. sure you'll know the negatives as much as uh, much better than we would. And he'll probably recognise some of the positives, too. So I would trust the player to make a move that works for him, albeit you know, aggregate that against frustration at not being able to express the footballer he is. And I would suspect that Lampard will probably have told him that he'll play him as Pochettino used to play him uh, in the early days. The thing with Winks that kind of always sticks in my mind is from our all or nothing, where Mourinho's coming in, where he says it's going to get very tactical and kind of really showed that maybe he's not the most knowledgeable about the game. Yeah, I mean, we could speculate. I would say that in answer to people who wonder what happened to Harry Winks, I would say he became a victim of uh, a couple of managers who decided to try and make him a square peg to fit their round hole. I mean, he certainly played very well for Maurizio Pochettino for for a couple of years. And, uh, and, and, was, and you know, we should not forget that he uh, bossed the game against Real Madrid at Wembley. And whilst that was just one game that he gets talked about an awful lot, it wasn't one performance in isolation. So I would say a lot of his problems have come down to how he's been used in the last few years. And he's also a confidence player. He got that injury up at Burnley as well, didn't he? That absolutely is the other factor. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was. He lost. He definitely lost a little bit after that. So I think if you if you to kind of take a seat back, uh, sit back and look at his career as a whole, you can really see why his career has gone off the rails. And uh, I mean, I just hope that he makes the best move for himself. He needs to be playing week in, week out, and he needs to be playing in a settled team. I think you know the other thing with Spurs that has, that has um, hampered him has been that he's been playing a lot of that time in kind of mismatched or unbalanced midfields. And then been in and out of the team. Yeah, he's been a, he's been a, he's not, he doesn't fit a Jose Mourinho system and, and he's not really, uh, uh, perfect for a Conti system either. He's not that neither of those systems suit him. So he's sort of been trying to, to make up the ground, if you will. It reminds me a little bit of when, again, we're back to when Sven Goran Eriksson tried to change Jermaine Defoe and how he performed as a striker. And it took Jermaine several years to, to kind of rediscover, you know, his mojo, albeit he was still 
knocking goals in here and there. But he had a couple of slow seasons while he was adapting. Um, anyway, let's hope that Harry Winks is going to make the right move and let's hope that Everton is the right move if indeed he goes there. One thing that I think we've all agreed on is that uh, this deal being directly linked to Richarlison is a bit of a red herring, uh, correct? I think very. It's, it always sounds like it's quite neat for players to get involved in swap deals or player exchanges. Never really happens. I think clubs are always quite loath to doing those deals anyway for various accounting reasons. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we bought Richarlison before the Winks deal went through. So it releases money for them to buy to do their business rather than actually them being... I don't think we'll see a part exchange or anything like that. I think what probably suits Everton is that they get the cash for Richarlison in this financial year and then they buy Winks and spread the payments over a long time next financial year. So Friday onwards. And it looks like uh, on or just after July 1st, we're going to have an extra 21.5 million quid in the bank because Charlie Eccleshare um, has uh, reported that we've agreed a fee of 21.5 million quid with Ajax for Stephen Bergwijn. The final details are being sorted out. It was first reported in De Telegraph in the Netherlands. Um, uh, it looks like Stephen is going to, uh, you know, get the move that he so desperately wants. And, you know, let me let me kick this off by saying I think it's probably the best move for him. Uh, it's probably a good move for us because talent is not enough. And there's no doubt he's an incredibly talented player. But holistically, there was just something that wasn't quite right, whether he felt too much pressure at Spurs or was too anxious. I'm not sure. But holistically, it didn't work out. Uh, whereas I think at Ajax, he will certainly return to as a comfort zone that will suit him more. What do you think, guys? I think it's good for him to to move on. My Occam's razor principle tells me that this isn't someone who, if you'd put him in the Liverpool front three, would have been scoring 30 goals a year. I don't think he's quite on the level that we needed him to be on. Saying that, I've, I've got a good feeling that he'll go to Ajax and he'll score a lot of goals in Eredivisie and he'll probably be linked with moves back to the Premier League or with, you know, possibly to, you know, to a Munich or a, or a PSG within the next two or three years time. Um, but I think he has got a ceiling and I don't think he's quite I don't think he's had the ability that we've needed to take us on the level that would justify us keeping him. He's provided some some wonderful moments for us and I'm sure he'll be remembered very fondly as something of a cult hero for those. I mean, I like him. I'd rather be losing more than, than Bergwin given the choice. Um, it's pretty clear that Conte sees him as a kind of left inside forward or, or centre forward and he's not going to get picked above Son or Kane. So his minutes have been you know limited and... You know, he wants to be playing more football, which I understand. I think from Ajax's point of view, they're due to sell Sebastian Haller to Dortmund, I think, for 30 million. So that appears to be the, the key to this deal happening. I think, again, going back to, to Bergwijn, one of the things that, you know, really stands out is, and I remember this early doors, I think it might have been in the All or Nothing documentary, didn't he, uh, basically his family moved with him? Yeah, right? right. His parents yeah. moved with him. Yeah. He just strikes me as, and some people are like this, they're a little maybe more shy or maybe a little more reserved, maybe need a little more of an arm around the shoulder than others. Um, and as much as I agree with you, Milo, football-wise, I don't think there's any competition between him and Lucas Moura in terms of who you'd rather have. But as a squad personality and someone that you can sort of throw on with you know minimal instruction and maybe maximum trust, I think that Lucas, Lucas survives purely on that level. And I think yeah. perhaps, you know, Bergwijn just, he's, he's a little more comfortable closer to home. I mean, it, it, you know, for me, Bergman's a better footballer, so that's that's my preference. You know, I think, but yeah, no, I take that, I take that. Yeah, because I mean, talent, as we've seen time and time again, is not always enough. Sadly, I mean, you do need 
many other factors to go your way. I, I do think that kind of little goal drought he had probably had an impact. And I think there was a period where, you know, obviously he wasn't getting the minutes and he was trying to overcompensate a bit when he did get into the team and it just wasn't quite clicking. And, you know, I think we all hoped with that Leicester game that that, that would be the turning point. And it, it appeared to be the case in, in that Conte didn't want to, you know, refuse to sell him in January off the back of that. And... But it never quite happened, did it? Well, that's the bit that suggests to me that what when Conti might have thought, "Hey, you've got it. You've got the. You can do it. Now show me. Show me more." Maybe he just didn't have it, and it's fascinating. Uh, you know, it, it, I mean, with, these are the details that we don't know. Yeah. I mean, but you know. I, I think if that's the case, I think it must be stuff on the training ground rather than the pitch because yes, his opportunities yeah, were, were minimal, weren't they? Really, in the second well, half of the season. Yeah. He would only have been getting on the pitch ahead of Mora if he was doing it in the training ground. Yeah. And I think Conte even talked about the fact that in training he was still a little timid. He didn't quite say that, but he inferred that. And it's very interesting. Another story that we didn't pick up on that uh, I was just reading about this last week. You know, Emerson Royale gave yeah. an interview yeah, in yeah. Brazil really funny, wasn't about it? the training. <laughs> And I mean, he was talking about the fact that sometimes after training, he was physically sick. He'd given so much. And a Conti looked at him and said, well, you didn't train very well today. And he's like, basically, he didn't quite say this, but he's like, well, what, what the fuck more do you want me to do? And he's like, well, come in and give more tomorrow. And he, and he did. And it was just, it, it just well, interesting. I think, I think what he actually said is he looked at the GPS stats and his were amongst the best. Yeah, yeah. And right. Conte said, actually, that's right, but you can do better. You can do better, right? Exactly. But I mean, whereas and 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 this is again, these are a, 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 it really does play into everything we're talking about with signings and rumours and players on you know and Paratici having several pots on the boil. You know, there's so many nuances to a footballer and signing one that works for your club, and that's where you come down to Rafina versus Richarlison. Like, what? Yeah, it's not just about the talent; it's about what they offer in so many ways. And uh, to go back to that one more time, very briefly, you know, Richarlison is has all those shit house qualities and a power and aggression, and uh, that that I think that Conti's going to want as well. So anyway, anyway, Stephen Bergwijn, it looks like is is on his way. Um, and sh- should we just take a quick look at a few of the other names that are floating around here? Yeah, I've got a couple of breaking news ones. So in the Turkish media today. They're talking about Ndombele going to Galatasaray on a loan with an option to buy. That makes sense. He's so Turkish Super League. So that that's, I mean, that would be great because he looked like one that was going to be difficult to, to move on, particularly if it's with an option to buy. And then... We're back to talent versus uh, other human uh, instincts and factors, part 95 there. I do we'll wonder... Know. Every window when he wanted to leave with us, it was meant to be because he thought that he ought to be playing for Barcelona or Real Madrid or someone like that. And I do wonder whether um, stepping down to a league like that might he might find difficult. And then I know this is one that's on your list, but um, a lot of noise around Gvardiol uh, again these last couple of days. Um, I still think that probably the fees for him are too can be too high. They're talking kind of seventy, eighty million, but he's one hell of a player. Gareth, what do you think of uh, of those two bits of news? Uh, I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen with him, Don Bele, and I would imagine that his agent will be pushing out lots of stories because quite clearly they need to get some traction in place here. Otherwise, it's going to come 4th of July or 11th of July and he's going to be back with us again, probably training on his own. Certainly won't be going out to Korea. Um, the other one... Again, this might be, I think Bastoni was always the first choice, mm. whether they've given up on him or whether they want to try and put pressure on him or Inter and his people or, or not by us being closely linked with, with other players who play the same position might be quite convenient at the moment. 
Um, it feels like there's lots of moving parts, particularly with this defender position or left-sided defender position that we're that we're looking at. I think we're kind of in the luxury that although we want all that business to be done early on, uh, I think Conte and Paratici are probably quite happy that with with Ben Davis, we've got a really good player in position there who would certainly be comfortable enough to get us through until the end of the window if we ended up that we had to wait till the end of August to to get a more favourable deal or more favourable terms on a deal that we're looking for so I think this one's going to be rumble, rumble on I think we're going to be linked with lots of players who play that position uh, and we will hear all sorts of language used that suggests that various deals are, are quite close or imminent to happening and until they're standing on the balcony at Hotspur Way holding the shirt up it, 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 it's not happened yet. I'm probably one of the only people uh, who actually feels sorry for Ndombele in one way. Uh, he signed for a manager and signed up to a project that never happened. He uh, came to us virtually, uh, you know, pretty raw um, with no real understanding of how professional football at an elite level works. Um, he didn't have any academy training and so on and so forth. And I think that he uh, was unfairly written off with a series of cliches and, and, and slights um, regarding weight and effort that I think um, were, were particularly unfair. I mean, I remember Moussa Dembele never looked like a huge athlete either, uh, but nothing was ever said about that um, because, of course, it's nonsense. So I, I feel quite sorry for him and I hope that he does end up getting a move that helps him resurrect his football career and helps bring his confidence back. Because I think, again, he's another one of these players that... If he, if you can get an arm around his shoulder and give him the confidence, I think he can really perform. And it's interesting with Jose Mourinho, he got very close to it, got very close to coaxing some a, a, a consistent player out of Ndombele. Um So, you know, it's there. And uh, mm. and I, again, I, I, I wish the best for him. I, I don't have any ill will towards him at all. I think it was just a horrible series of circumstances that conspired to make his career with us um, yeah. a, a bit, bit shambolic. And uh, I, I think we will find a loan for him this is part of Paratici's job and I believe and I've heard that we're prepared to write off you know write, make a write off on him like we'll accept that there's a big loss to be had here so let's hope it works out I mean I, I agree on kind of him joining I think Pochettino saw him as a kind of two or three year project yeah um, and then was out kind of four months into that mm-hmm. and I think he would have you know typical for Pochettino you know he would have you know, rebuilt him and then you, you know you would have seen him yes. you know kind of you know the end of the, maybe the first season was really when you started seeing what Pochettino wanted from him um yeah. and then he's had you know kind of managers after that who are very very different in style and want very different things and he's just not a good fit for them no I mean there's a great there's a great movie or film that I would recommend to anyone who hasn't seen it it's over 20 years old and it stars Kevin Bacon it's called The Big Picture and it's about the film industry but the parallels are there it's basically you you go in with one idea you get accepted on one idea and then within weeks it's a completely different idea that you're being told to generate off the idea that you had it's ridiculous so anyway maybe a couple more to throw in if we can bremer Lenglet. uh we even saw the mighty sven botman's name creeping into the uh columnages are we all in agreement that these are all just part of the paratici game uh these are all players that you know i think bremer's the only one we're interested in there i think Lenglet is yeah. coming out of barcelona i think botman's off to newcastle yep i agree and 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 everyone who's been listening is you've heard us go back and forth and opinions and so on and so forth in the transfer rumors uh look we got these from the rumor mill the transfer rumor mill just like you get your information 
just like you you develop your opinions. Um, You know, nothing like the modern transfer rumor mill existed before smartphones. Uh, It's something that's taken on an industry, uh, a life and industry all of its own. You know, and and whilst everyone, you know, loads of people like to sound cool criticizing it and poo-pooing the contributors as snotty tosspots, you know, spinning yarns of bullshit. But the fact remains that we all dip our toes into their waters Uh, and anyone who tells me personally that they never pay attention in the nose or who denies ever having gone off on one of their you know tangents i mean to me you're a liar of course of course you have we all have so chaps let's dive into this brief look at the current industry that is the football transfer rumor uh let me ask first of all when it comes to transfer rumors who do you listen to and who do you trust gareth kick us off so the beat reporters uh alistair gold and then the um, the guys from the Athletics, are Charlie Eccleshare and Jack Pitbrook, are very reliable. As is Dan Kilpatrick from the from the Evening Standard. They tend to be the ones if they say something's happened or it's going to happen, then it is going to happen or it has happened. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd chuck in um, David Ornstein, Jonathan Field, and um, you know this summer at least, Jerry uh, Gary Jacob at the Times um, got the scoop on Basuma, which no one else had. I mean, they all seem pretty well placed. Um, you know. Personally speaking, I mean, I think, you know, Gareth, Gareth, we were talking about this earlier on, weren't we? So both Ali Gold and Charlie Eccleshare um, have spoken about their methods, haven't they? And, and you know, uh, Charlie Eccleshare on the um, on the Fighting Cock, was it last week with Flav, where he's talking about how he always takes kind of three three sources, um, not necessarily from the club, in order to, you know, before he prints a story. And I know Ali Gold said the same before. Yeah, I think Ornstein uh, and Gold for sure, and Eccleshare as well, I'm the same. I mean, if I see that they're endorsing something, I, I give it a, a bit more credence. There's no doubt. Those three names um, are, are the ones that I pay the most attention to. I'll say what I would say is that I kind of weigh stuff against it. So I don't necessarily take one person and say, you know, someone's saying, saying this, it must be true. You're getting into my next question, which is how do you filter out agents and clubs leaking stuff and clickbait and so on and so forth? Even though they're going through channels that you might respect and appreciate, how do you personally weigh out that balance? I'd weigh up several sources and certainly on on Twitter, most of those beat journalists are pretty good. I mean, they're talking to each other and they will say whether they've heard the same thing or not. And they're quite open about that. So that kind of information is, is useful and something that, you know, we wouldn't have had, you know, 10, 15 years ago you know 15 20 years ago you wouldn't have had that they wouldn't you wouldn't have had those conversations you wouldn't have been you know kind of in that room so you know that's quite that's really useful that's quite that's quite useful information and yeah i'd look for a few, a few reliable sources i think the other thing to bear in mind you know when you talk about in the know and what have you i think all three of us have got snippets at one time or another about things that you know are happening at the club or you know a friend who's you know a friend or a friend of a friend knows something and tells you but what i would say is that None of us have ever known everything, you know, and I think the ones that I'm always suspicious of are people, you know, I'm kind of moving away from journalists here, I'm talking more about the in and no stuff. People who pretend to know everything that's going on in the club or all of our business over the summer are bullshitting. And, you know, people who are, you know, do have friends in the club or something like that, you will hear maybe one or two pieces of information. You don't know everything, do you? No, I mean, gone are the days when someone would go onto a forum and said that my mate's dad's uncle's friend's a cab driver and he's just driven player x to player to club wise training ground um i i, I mean i think but the, the ones that we mentioned so i think alistair gold very transparent so he does his he does a couple of youtube videos yeah. a week and he does his, his podcast but i think he's quite open about what he doesn't know so i think that to me builds some credibility and, yeah. and legitimacy about what he's about what he's saying so when he actually says this is going to happen 
or they are in talking to the player, you know that it is actually happened. By contrast, they haven't got right to reply, so I won't won't name them. But there's another prominent Spurs podcast that quite regularly gets on a prominent journalist from a prominent um, uh, news agency, <laughs> and it's just powder puff. The things that get mentioned there. So yeah. you, know, you, know, you know, the journalist will say. Oh yeah, no. Spurs are definitely interested in this sort of player, and he's exactly the sort of person that they're going to be looking at. And it's a position that they want to try and fill. And there's no substance to it whatsoever. So I think sometimes you have to read the read the subtext, and you have to read between the lines. And what's the actual language that's being used, and and who's using it? And for as someone who studied GCSE history, this is why I'm such an advocate of the subject, because one of the skills that you learn in that is reading between the lines and, and looking more into the nuance of the language that's being used. We talk about how we filter out situations and, and, and rumours versus clickbait and so on and so forth. I think, again, you have to take a step back and you have to know your club. You have to know your coach. You have to know what you need and you have to look very holistically and very, very coldly at what would make the most sense given the personalities in charge of your transfer dealings and your club's football's football, you know, footballing side. Yeah. So for me, that's what I try and do. But my initial reaction in this world of short attention span theatre is to go to news now, which I know Milo doesn't like, but I go to news now and I do. I scroll, I click the last 30 minutes bar and I see all the crap that throws up there. And my word, there is a lot of crap in there. And every so often I pick out a nugget that seems to suit my agenda but then I look to see if that nugget is verified three four five times and then I look for the names of of an Ali Gold or I look for the names of, of an Echo Share and Ornstein behind those but you know realistically the only way I feel that I can identify what is shit and what isn't is by me feeling that I know what our club needs and what our coach wants and what our, what our manager wants yeah I mean that's exactly the conversation we just had about some right inside forwards that we're being heavily linked with but doesn't make yeah. a lot of sense when you look at the current squad composition i mean my issue with news now and i certainly used it in the past i mean quite a, quite a while ago um i think there are too many blogs on there yeah. that are um just publishing clickbait and you know and this is an issue on on twitter and you know we've got a question further down here about aggregator accounts but maybe this is the point to take it because i think it's Let's you know, the it, same yeah. thing because you know all of those places uh prioritize volume over quality and what they're looking to do is get people to click on a link and they will link you to anyone. And, you know, people of maybe an older generation um, will remember when you used to get the kind of premium rate telephone lines on Teletext mm, cool. where, where they'd put any old shit there to get you to phone up and then they'd talk for five minutes before, you know, not saying much. And it's exactly the same principle. It's just, you know, trying to prey on people's um, interest in order to kind of generate cash. Mm. And, um, you know, news news now. I think if you if there's a premium rate of that, where you kind of filtered out the crap to just get ad revenue, would be quite useful. And you know, certainly in terms of kind of my use, I mean, I use Twitter a, a lot, but all of the aggregator accounts and all of those uh, blogs that um, just publish any old crap, I've I've got on mute or I've blocked um, because they're no use. Yeah, so I'm thinking the um, juxtaposition of, of Valley Gold is the, the 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 website that he writes for mm. provide produce lots of clickbait, and actually, if you look, click on any of the articles that he's written, the first four or five paragraphs of each are absolute powder puff until you, you yeah. get a little bit of substance in there. So you're actually far better listening to his YouTube clips and his his podcasts to actually get the get the real genuine information. I mean, I mean, let me ask you this, and I'm gonna. Uh 
preface this point uh, with my own personal um, experience. I mean, there was a moment in time where all of a sudden the rumor mill shifted. You know, it, it just went into overdrive. And it seems that there was a moment where clubs and agents realized that they could start to use people, um, you know, to, to inform or to misinform which is another tactic that is often used, and we know this. And, I mean, we're, we're moving to, you know, the way that uh, Fabio Paratici works, which is, as we've discussed many times, and this is not news to anyone, you know, if if he worked in a kitchen, he'd have a giant hob in front of him with lots of pots on the boil, um, or you know, all at once, meaning pretty much any rumour that you have associated with us right now has an element of truth to it. I mean, because he probably has spoken to someone about someone and someone to someone, and then it becomes differentiating and and so on. But I'm interested, chaps, in when you know when you notice the change really kick in. I mean, for me, the first name I remember was Demiao, and I'm going back to that. That was the one that you heard, and you're like, "Whoa, that sounds interesting." And then the second time, you're like, "Well, hang on, doesn't seem to be much movement." By the fifth time, you're like, "Wow, we're just being used." Uh, it took me a while to figure it out. I might be asking a naive question, but is Damiel blue and yellow? <laughs> he certainly, he certainly <laughs> was blue and yellow. yellow. Okay, right. I've never been able to link those two things yeah. explicitly there. Um, but well, no, the other one, well, the one I remember before that was um, Diego, the, mm. aka the sock. That was um, well, no, circa <laughs> 2003. Okay, I think I might remember that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know whether South American players being linked. There's a there's a particular nuance with him. I've talked before about my part in that, haven't I? It about rings a bell, Diego. Yeah. So I had a bet with a mate. So was it really 19 years ago? I had a bet with a mate that I couldn't get a story into a national paper. So I wrote on a message board, not a Spurs message board, that about him wanting to come to England to work with a Portuguese-speaking manager. So the story I got into the papers was that, that uh, Mourinho was going to be leaving Porto to join Spurs and then copied it across to a Porto board. And then from a Porto board, it, it basically ended up in the standard, in the evening standard. And it was complete bullshit. And it was just to see whether we could do it. So... Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the Game is About Glory can provide you with a world exclusive tonight that if you want to know the root of transfer rumour bullshitting, the founder, the originator with the flavour, if you'll pardon another one of my young man puns there, it was Milo. So there you have it. He bore this, he bore this filthy bush whose fruit we all pick. That sounded strangely weird and biblical. Uh, but let's, I mean, let's go back and say, we uh, Paratici again, let's look at how, you know, again, Hobbs, loads of pots on the boil, so on and so forth. I mean, you know, knowing how he works, has the last 45 minutes uh, coming on to an hour of our program this week and last week, is it futile or is it fun? Are we prepared to admit that all this speculation and all the rumours and all the, well, my source is better than your source or this source is better than that, and a bit, but not just here with everyone. Are we prepared to admit that it's fun, that we actually enjoy it? I, 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 I will confess, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. The, the, the chase mm. i enjoy the rabbit holes uh, I, th- I think it's such a low percentage transfers that so few of them actually come to fruition and i'm not sure but so we've always said that para or we're told that paratici's modus operandi is to link uh, going to go for up to about 10 players for each position that they want to get i'm not sure that that's a particularly unique model i'd be amazed if Every club or every director of football who's gone in for a transfer only ever identifies one player and they just go in for them. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it would be good 
business practice. I've got to push back on you for a moment because I know that, I mean, I, I, I completely respect that you're, you're quite analytical and, and, and quite logical on these things. And I respect, greatly respect that. But do you not get a tiny shot of dopamine when you see, you know, like, you know, Bastoni deal still alive or, you know, Guardiola possible? Or, I mean, do you not get a tiny shot of dopamine? Does it not excite you at all? Or are you able to immediately equalize that out and say, that's probably bullshit? I, yeah, I think I'm a lot more immune to it than I might have been several years ago. Um, wow. But yeah, I, th- I think the, yeah, the reality is that probably, uh, I think this was actually studied several years ago. Of all the transfers linked in certain media outlets, less than 10% of them actually came off. But the analogy I'm going to use, though, is it's like buying a house. So if anyone's had the misfortune of trying to buy a house and a property, you'll know it's exactly. It's, there's there's a lot of similarities, and Daniel Levy alluded to this actually on on All or Nothing. But imagine that you were buying a house, and not only were you buying a house that every media outlet in the world wants to report on which house you're likely to buy or likely not to buy. Um, so every time you ring an agent and say, "I oh, quite fancy going for a viewing at this place," it's across the news, and then people are speculating about whether you're actually interested in it on not or whether you're just trying to do it to railroad another um, seller that you're also looking to try and buy their house into doing the deal a bit quicker so yeah i'm i'm not sure i I think my my bullshit filter is is reasonable when it comes to transfers now so i'm more like you stuff i love it but i mean i love it with kind of a degree of cynicism i I don't believe that you know all of these deals are going to come off i i quite like kind of the mental game of working out what the team would look like with various different components so i kind of you know the, the, you've got the jigsaw puzzle there and you put i don't know you put you know Gavardio in, in place of ben davis or you know you put jed spence in place of you know matt doherty or you know we're giving sunny midweek off we put richarlison in that position and thinking about how the team would function um i, I find that really good fun and um i like taking kind of all these names and then thinking you know exactly as you were saying earlier on steph you know how does that fit what with what my understanding of what conte wants from the team and what he's done previously you know how does that fit with what you know what i think are the strengths and weaknesses of the side and um i like i quite enjoy trying you know kind of testing myself against what actually happens so i kind of you know these are the kind of names have been put forward and you know over the over the last season you know i've looked at you know where i think the weaknesses are and you know who some of those potential players to fill those weaknesses could be and then it's you know it's always fun when those names come up and you know Cavadio would be one that um I'd certainly you know watched and, and thought about as, a, as an option there and you know obviously the best only been linked for a while so it's someone I'd kept an eye on but I, I quite enjoy that and it's, it's quite nice um thinking about those gaps and you know how that fits together but I'm not overly invested in anything and I think that's probably where it becomes a that's problem I think some people get overly invested in a, in a particular player yes and and then you know throw their toys out of the pram when that doesn't happen that's absolutely the key I, 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 I couldn't agree more I mean I think the entertainment factor though I think is, is somewhat undeniable I mean, I, 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 and maybe that's a symptom again of, of, of the modern world and the fact that our attention spans have been shortened and maybe we require that much more daily excitement in our lives uh, that via, you know, uh, bullshit news or whatever than, than, than we had before. I don't know, but I, I, I certainly... I, I, I thoroughly enjoy all the players that we're connected yeah. with, even mm. if I read it to say that's bullshit. I, it's kind of, I mean, I, I, I literally, I do check every day. There's a confession. I check every day, right? You do, right? We live in a rolling 24-hour news 
cycle now and you know we see this with politics where something's yes. big and then it then the story moves on after two days because something else has happened and they, they've got to constantly have something new and it's yeah. exactly the same <clears throat> with with football I, and just like politics the manipulation is massive and you have to understand that if you're going to dip your toe into these waters <laughs> and, and actually you know um certainly in 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 Britain, I've seen kind of general election, elections are now reported like transfer deadline day is almost. Yes, and, absolutely. Um, They've taken the model. Yeah. I, 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 I couldn't agree more. Yes, yes. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's really important to, to note this, and that's why I get really annoyed with the snobbery uh, of people who write off in the write off. Oh, I was in the nose of talking bollocks. Of course, half of them are talking bollocks. But don't ever tell me that you haven't gone on the ride. I mean, you must have. Someone's gone on. Every we all go on that ride, don't we? At some point. Yeah, but also, all of us will have been told something at some time that was, you know, true, <laughs> or you know, all of us stumble across information at you know one point point in time. You know, I, I used to have a friend who was, had a very good source at, at Arsenal. I used to hear a lot of stuff that was happening. You know, someone who was close to the club photographer there, and mm. you know, which is pretty good pretty good source for what's coming up because they'd be booked in to do stuff and and also spent a lot of time at you know the training ground and what have you and I, I used to hear all sorts of stuff around about Arsenal that was you know would you know several weeks ahead and you do get information sometimes but as I said before I don't believe anyone who's got complete information I think you know the Basuma one earlier <laughs> in the summer was a really interesting one because if you watch the in the nose on that no one had that beforehand. No one had that. Uh, Gary Jacob uh, does the story, and then you've got a load of people who pretend to be all over the de- mm. detail, the deal, and know everything about it. Yeah. You know, five minutes after he's broke the story, well, they're clearly bullshitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, again, everything must be taken with with a triple layer of salt because you're either being played by the club, played by the the player and the agent, uh, played by the aggregator themselves who just wants to get to you know eight or nine million followers so suddenly they become a legitimate dumping ground for official officially sourced rumors and 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 then of course there is the, the you know there are the moments where these people are telling you the truth <laughs> it's part of the game it's part of I the also, fun. i also think that for some people it's a buzz isn't it you know there's people yes. who like being the center of attention and yes, like people going to them much. to you know ask them for information you know it's a it's an ego stroking isn't it and as i said you know all you know, most football fans will come across an inf- a bit of information occasionally. Some people get a b- bit of information more often than that. Very few people are realistic. They're people who are who are uh, who know every detail of our tra- transfer business this summer. Probably doesn't stretch much further than Daniel Levy, Fabio Paratici, and Antonio Conte. It probably doesn't stretch much further than that. I've got to ask you both: Do you think that in Fabio Paratici, we've got the possibly the, the the best um understander or the best comprehender of how the transfer window works in the world of of media reported football and 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 you know social media reported football in terms of he understands how to play it so as the club always look prominent but he also gets what he wants without giving too much away i mean he does seem to have this quite you know because we're in the thick of all these rumors and nobody's really pissed off yet um, you know, we're getting players. We're getting some players on the quiet. You mentioned Basuma; that came from nowhere. Is he the most masterful, um, you know, operator in this weird world of the transfer window that that we've ever seen at Spurs? Um, well, we says we don't know about the ones that we don't get. So we didn't get Luis Diaz in January, and that was under Paratici's watch. And I, I think. Everything that we've heard about that deal suggests it probably one. It was always going to be very, very difficult for him 
to be able to do. So you don't know which ones he's not doing. Wasn't there, I'm racking my brains, I'm pretty sure towards the start of his tenure, I think when he was searching for managers, we got the feeling that someone had to actually rein him in because it was almost being reported verbatim, the conversations yes. between him and the prospective managers and something then happened and it stopped and it then went very, very quiet yeah. again. So I suspect he's learning and, you know, different countries, there'll be, will have different cultures and different ways of doing things. And, you know, you, you, which will be the same within the media yeah. circles as well. And clearly he's, he's been around the bush in, in Italy and he probably knows how it works quite well out there. And it was, I think probably a bit of a culture shock for him, when he came in and then had to try and find us a manager and working out how to how to manage the media in that. Well, to be fair, Conte had to be told to stop talking to the Italian press as well. Yeah, interesting. In the spring. Yeah. So um, I think there's probably a slightly different way that it operates over there. I think, I mean, there's obviously, you know, in terms of we talk about kind of clickbait sites and, you know, a lot of newspapers operate on the same basis and, you know, a lot of Italian press um, seem to be kind of favor kind of volume in terms of the stories that they're reporting um but i would say that the italian press i think is probably a little bit little bit more accurate on our activity now than it has been in the past um yeah. i think was it last week we talked about the portuguese press which are awful in terms of kind of the quality as sources that yeah. again i think they'll just print any old crap to get clicks yeah i mean one thing that has changed i think you know we talk about kind of over the last 20 years you know kind of google translate makes all of these websites but as a primary source available to us that we can yeah. read news from anywhere in the world you know the galatasaray yeah. and Dembele stuff i was reading that on turkish papers earlier on today that wouldn't have been available to me before no mm. well i think the most famous example of a club using the particular media source is real madrid and the marker mm. uh, traditionally anyway i don't know whether that's changed now there and i'm sure there will be other clubs so maybe there is a newspaper or a media agency in turkey where you know galatasaray feed all their stories into as well this is obviously a conversation that could go on uh, on and on and, and doubtless we'll touch base with this more as the summer goes on because it is fascinating but I want to round this off with a final question chaps which is I'm going to give you an, a choice and I want you to tell me which you prefer do you prefer the days of chance meetings at airports people sitting up trees at the training ground and then the print media occasionally breaking a big story to you um, you know, with you possibly going several weeks at a time, not hearing very much of anything, or do you prefer today's constant parlance of of and, and generation of, of of rumors and bullshit and Google translated stories and agents planting things and clubs planting things and everything? Just this, t you know, tundra of information coming your way every day. Which do you prefer when it comes to your transfer window behaviors? Yeah, I think logic tells me as a 41-year-old with a family and a mortgage and a reasonably responsible job that I should be having better things to do every day in, day out than scrolling through news sources. I've deliberately deleted my... I haven't had a Twitter app on my phone for three or four years and I've got rid of the Sky Sports one as well for exactly that purpose. I mean, for, for me, a transfer... And I, again, I'm harking back to the 90s, so I might be cut out on this one, but flicking onto teletext as a 13-year-old as a to see Spurs laying Klinsman shock. No transfer will, will ever live up to that moment for me. So, so yeah, not knowing that it happened until it happened, I think there's, there's something in that. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a transfer. I can remember where it was. I can remember the TV. I saw it on, on, I saw it on Teletext as well. But no, for me, plug me into the Matrix, Steph. I like all the information going through me 24 hours a day. I love it. Absolutely love it. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm with you as a 55-year-old, completely immature man who just said check it earlier and caused one of my <laughs> younger uh, younger members here to uh, crack up with laughter. Um, uh, I, I, I obviously, I enjoy the, 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 I enjoy the sort of, chi- I mean, it is childish uh, much of the rumour milling, but I'm with you, Milo. I, 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 I love it. I, I'm, I'm sort of, I mean, I, I, sadly, I'm kind of addicted to it. I hate, I mean, I hate to admit it, but it's the truth. It really is. I just enjoy the entertainment value of it all, and I enjoy dreaming. I mean, I think that uh, at the end of the day, you know, for me, one of the great loves of Tottenham Hotspur is is, is the expectation. It is. It's the hope. Um, and that includes some of the players we're linked to, um, some of the uh, forward lines that I see us assembling, even in a squad sense, and then the reality that it, it won't happen. Well, yeah, it won't happen, but I enjoy the ride. So that's where I'm at. It'll be interesting. We should ask this of, of, of some of the, of some of the other uh, chaps on, on the on the show in, in coming weeks i'd be really interested but uh well thanks chaps that was that was a, a lot of fun and I, I think it's again it's one of these infinite conversations which um for the, the sakes of editing we've had to bring to a, a close so thank you very much cheers Steph. i'm sure it's something that we can come back to as the um the window progresses because it can it's gonna be a constant thread isn't it through till september oh yeah absolutely absolutely so thanks very much cheers, Steph. cheers. Uh, we'll be back next week and throughout the summer with our weekly dose of Spurs related chat. Um, as we've said, and thus far not delivered on, episodes might come out on different days over the summer or come in clusters, but no, we've been consistent so far, but I'm going to say it just in case. So yeah, it, you know, it might be a little different this summer, even though it hasn't been thus far. So, you know, we might take advantage of not having to fit episodes around matches, but I don't know. Let's see how it goes. Every week, you're going to hear from us. So subscribe to The Game Is About Glory on your favourite pod platform. Be sure that when you're there, you leave us a five-star review. As always, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.